this week on the Dylan and Dylan Show. The Out of the Box Draft is a Halloween special with the scariest athletes of all time. And our Q&A covers the World Series as well as NFL teams up and down in the Bengals and the Chiefs. This week in sports covers John Morant and the Michigan MSU game as well as our picks for the Michigan MSU, Ohio State, Penn State, and Auburn Ole Miss games coming this weekend. time for your favorite sports podcast the dylan and dylan show presented by tunnel vision sports hope you're having a good week excited to have you along with us for the friday october 9th 29th edition of the show halloween weekend along with some very important things going on in the sports world this week and we're excited to get talking about it dylan jesperson here with me as always the dylan in the dylan and dylan show dylan holtz dylan how are you doing today i'm doing fantastic uh this past week has been phenomenal Went back to Murray State last weekend for homecoming. Just uh, was a part of all the festivities with Tent City, which is one of the most special tailgating experiences just in all of America. Just tailgating right inside the stadium, getting to sit right on the infield uh, and watch some football. It wasn't the best football. Uh, Murray State didn't uh, play that awesome, but it's always fun being in Murray, Kentucky. Special, special places, I've said many times. Um, then the Tennessee Volunteers went into Tuscaloosa and played a really good football game with Alabama which I did not expect at all. And I was kind of thought they maybe had a chance that they didn't in the end, but Alabama ended up blowing them out, but that's okay. And then the Titans on Sunday just destroyed the Chiefs. And I was like, are we in the twilight zone? I, I don't know what's going on. I didn't expect that at all, but that was pretty cool. Um, so everything's kind of like up, up, up right now. I'm feeling good. Uh, and then I saw this right before we got on, this, this little tidbit on Twitter from Rex Byers. He said, it's that time of the year again. Starting tonight, 32 of the next 33 days and all of the next 27 days will have at least one college or NFL football game. Sign me up. It's like the best part of the year. It's spooky season. I'd sign me up. The day before Thanksgiving is the only day in this stretch that we don't have a football game. And there will be a ton of college basketball. So we are set on sports for a while. The World Series is popping could not be doing better. Very, very excited for a great show today. How are you doing? I'm just as excited as you are. I'm excited and nervous for this week. Uh, We're going to get into that uh, in a little bit, but big week uh, for my Michigan Wolverines. I'm I'm excited and nervous. It's really tough for me to even pin down my emotion for this week. It's uh, it's a, a whole lot of different emotions bundled into one that I can't really explain, but excited to get going today. Excited for what should be an awesome show? A reminder to follow Tunnel Vision Sports anywhere you listen to podcasts. That way you never miss a fine episode of anything we're putting out here. Uh, with Halloween just around the corner, we decided to get into the se- holiday season this week with our out-of-the-box draft. This week, we are drafting the scariest players in sports history. Our boards, 
on our boards will be a mix of who we think are the scariest athletes. Uh, it could be an interesting topic uh, considering what you consider to be scary in terms of athletes. So uh, excited to get into it. Dylan's got the coin. Uh, doesn't even have to ask me. I mean, you know, I'm going tails. We'll see what we got. That's George Washington. That is heads. That is crazy. This is no, not a double coin. There's a tails in the heads. That's insane. I think the universe is just trying to tell me like that phrase is not yeah. like the phrase doesn't work, but I'm going to be stubborn as heck and keep with it until it, it flips. I it. always go heads. I'm I'm the opposite. And I was, I was my senior year of high school football. All the seniors were captains. And I got to do the coin toss twice. Once the first game and then uh, in the state or not state semifinals, regional semifinals. And both times called heads, both times won. So, like, since then, I've been like, you got to go heads. You have to. Um, but I'm not going to get side rolled by <laughs> that. Um, I'm going to take the first pick because there's someone I want that I think is the scariest of them all. all right, I'm wasting on. no time with it. It's Iron Mike Tyson. He's terrifying. There are so many, like, hypothetical questions. It's like, would you rather get ran over by a monster truck or get hit by Mike Tyson? And people are like, oh, I've probably get ran over by a monster truck i really don't want to get hit by mike tyson that dude's crazy he's the baddest man to ever live and no one's like oh well what about this guy no it's mike tyson he, he's crazy he's one of the greatest boxers ever he bit a vander holyfield's ear off i mean it, it's mike tyson you never know what the you never knew what he was going to do yet still don't know what he's going to do he has a face tattoo a tiger just mike tyson period first big i'll give it to you for your next two yeah, that's an easy one. I think he's one one on mostly everyone's board. If you do the re- if you guys research this, Google it. Who are the scariest athletes? I think Mike Tyson was number one on almost every list that you looked on. So hard to compete with that. Uh, I knew Mike Tyson was going to go number one, so I had a one A ready to go, and he's in the Mike Tyson vein. And his name is Kimbo Slice, uh, RIP to the man Kimbo Slice. But he is the MMA backyard version of Mike Tyson. And anyone who was around for the early days of YouTube uh, remembers Kimbo Slice because I think everyone's best friends showed them, you know, man is paid to take a football hit from Kimbo Slice or, you know, any fill in the blank for Kimbo Slice. And he was doing it uh, in Florida and putting it on YouTube Uh, should have been part of the rise of the UFC in these recent years uh, and gone too soon, uh, but definitely fits that role. When you've got like, basically a challenge is like, you want to take a hit from Kimbo Slice in this way. And that was basically a YouTube series for a long time. It shows, you know, just like the, the aura of Kimbo Slice. So uh, if I can't get Mike Tyson, uh, Kimbo Slice is maybe the next best thing in that regard. Uh, with my snake wraparound pick, uh, I think this one's an easy one from the sport of baseball. I'm going with Barry Bonds. Uh, and it's a guy that struck fear in opposing players the most. Uh, no one fits the bill like Barry Bonds in terms of that. <laughs> in terms of that, those regards, uh, if you want to know how scary it was to face Barry Bonds, uh, ask book Showalter who intentionally walked Bonds with the bases loaded in the ninth inning of a very close game, by the way. Many people don't realize that that was like a two-run game, uh, and they were more afraid of Barry Bonds hitting a walk-off hit than they were of uh, potentially the next guy hitting a walk-off hit. Uh, He was intentionally walked 688 times in his career, a record that no one will ever come close to. Uh, One of my favorite stats is that he was walked walked intentionally more than one of my favorite players, Pudge Rodriguez, was walked in his career, period. 
Uh, Pudge Rodriguez is a Hall of Fame hitter, a Hall of Fame catcher, uh, and he had less career walks of any kind than Barry Bonds had career intentional walks. He was the scariest hitter ever, and no one will ever compete with that uh, title in the sport of baseball. Uh, So I think that's an easy pick. Uh, as the scariest baseball player of all time, uh, I will throw it to you for your next two picks. I like both of those picks a lot. And I got really scared when you picked Barry Bonds and you said baseball. I thought you were about to pick the guy I'm about to pick because I really want him. And I wore this Arizona Diamondbacks hat for a reason tonight because I'm getting pitcher Randy Johnson because he's terrifying. Not only was he a phenomenal pitcher, he's six foot ten throws a 102 mile per hour fastball he exploded a bird with a pitch one of the most famous like gifts videos whatever you want to call it pictures whatever just instantly famous randy johnson doing that back in the day also this little tidbit that always stays in my head he said this in an interview that uh he said in 1995 he told a reporter he does not own a gun for safety like at his home uh rather than having a gun by his bed His method of self-defense is keeping a bag of baseballs next to his bed in case someone breaks in his house. That's absurd. That is crazy people ideology. Randy Johnson's like, oh, I don't need a gun like a normal person. Forget that. I'll just have, you know, I'll throw a, I'll throw a four seam at the intruder. And you know what? It would, it would be like Looney Tunes and it would just go through the person's body because it's Randy Johnson. He's a flamethrower. And that's terrifying in my opinion. So Randy Johnson, if you're listening, no, I do not want to play catch with you. That would suck. That I can only imagine it again, like Looney Tunes, right through the hand. He's terrifying. Um, so to join Mike Tyson and Randy Johnson, I am going to go with. I gotta pick him, and I should probably pick him last, but I'm not going to. Uh, I'm going to Nashville. I'm going football. I'm going with Derrick Henry. I had to get him. He, he's a six foot four, two hundred and fifty pound running back that ran twenty two miles per hour a couple of weeks ago, the fastest run this season in the NFL. And he's like the size of, of a defensive end, like a normal defensive end. He's in the backfield. That's absurd. He goes out there every week and just stiff arms people into earth. I mean, it's stupid stuff. If I just could not imagine meeting Derrick Henry in person and be like, oh, this is a different species of, of animal. Like he's just a monster. He really is. Like they could like, Michael Myers, he would be like, no thanks. I'm, I'm going to go to the, the next house. Uh, I'll check out on Derrick Henry's house. Uh, so, yeah, Derrick Henry joins Randy Johnson and Mike Tyson. I'll throw it to you for your next two picks. Great two picks. I'm going to have to dip into my alternates again this week because Randy Johnson was going to was lined up as my fourth pick as well. So I have to think about that for a second. But right now, uh, my last guy that was still on my list that's still here. Uh, this is another pick that sort of speaks for itself. I, I got Ray Lewis a, as my third pick. Uh, and when I think of the scariest player in terms of anything, just generally, you're thinking the middle linebacker on the best defense of the best football team. And no one fit that like Ray Lewis did for almost his entire career. He was a 12-time Pro Bowler, seven-time All-Pro, two-time Defensive Player of the Year, and he has two rings. And just the definition of a scary middle linebacker just hits hard is the leader of the best defense is still the best defense in the league, but has been the best defense for years and years. Um, And he's just synonymous with hard hitting linebackers. When you think of uh, of the most recent 
uh, dominant linebackers in the league. Ray Lewis is up on the top of that list. So uh, happy to have him with my third pick. And finally to reach into my alternates for my fourth pick. Uh, I usually take some Detroit guys. I wasn't going to, uh, if I had Randy Johnson on the board, but I will with my alternates. Uh, he's not a Detroit guy anymore, still in the league. Uh, I'm going with Ndamukong and Sue as my, as my last pick and a little bit of an underrated pick because uh, he's kind of calmed down since his days in Detroit. But when you think about Ndamukong and Sue in Detroit, uh, he is maybe one of the scariest defensive linemen that's lived and in his time in Nebraska, because he was not only one of the most dominant players, but one of the dirtiest players in the NFL. One of the last breeds of a guy that is going to do everything to get under your skin. Uh, and it worked because he was so big, so good and very good at getting under people's skin. So uh, if I was going to be an offensive lineman lined up against anyone in the past few years, uh, there's a, a short list of guys that would be that I would want to be lined up against. But Nadamikin Sue is on that short list of guys I would never line up against. I would just uh, run back to the sideline if that was the point. So uh, I think he's a solid final pick. I'll throw it to you for your last pick. I really like that Nadamikin Sue pick. It's making me doubt my last pick, and I'm like, mm, should I go with this other guy? But I'm going to stick with my pick. I'm getting all four of the guys I wanted coming into this. I'm going to take Aaron Donald from the Los Angeles Rams because he is a guy that came right to my head. He, and he's probably the smallest guy, I mean, except for Tyson. He's bigger than Mike Tyson. But, like, if you just, like, stand him next to all these guys, he's probably, like, shortest, which is weird. But he's a mountain. It doesn't matter how short he is. That's a mountain of a man. Uh, he benches, like, 500, like, for reps. He's not, like, putting that up once. He's just repping 500. Um I wrote down some of his stats. I, I wrote down, like, he's six foot one, which when you're thinking, like, a defensive tackle, that's – they're not six one. So that just adds to how good he is at the game of football. 284 pounds. Pretty big boy. That, that's, that's a monster of a man. 32-inch arms. That's crazy. Um, 89 career sacks. That's stupid for a defensive tackle. Absolutely insane stuff. And then if you watch a Rams game, he gets, like, quadruple teamed all the time. There's a picture that goes around Twitter during every Rams game. It's them against the Dolphins. And there's like just five guys just on Aaron Donald. And it's just absurd. And they tweet it out all the time. It could be Photoshopped. And I, I kind of hope it is because it fools me every time. And I hope they just add little blockers just like to where there's 11 at some point. Because that's what you need for Aaron Donald. He, he's a freak. He always will be like till the end of time. Uh, terrifying. Could not imagine being an offensive lineman in the league. And be like, oh, yeah, your assignment this week, it's 99 from L.A. Have fun, kid. Um, that would suck. So, yeah, very, very excited to add Aaron Donald to my, to my ranks of Mike Tyson, Derrick Henry, and good old Randy Johnson. Um, alternates. I know you went to one. Do you have any more? Oh, yeah. I had a bunch of alternates ready to go uh, in case uh, I thought there might be some crossover. There was a little bit, but uh, I had some alternates ready to go. I had Josh Hamilton written down, I thought, in the same vein of Barry Bonds. Uh, one of the most feared hitters in his time was intentionally walked with the bases loaded as well. He was the last guy to be doing it. Uh, Zdeno Chara from hockey. I had to get a hockey guy on there. Uh, he is just a, a, a behemoth of a guy that's skating around on, on skates and uh, is an enforcer, just like the old school enforcers. Uh, I, I love the, I love the way he plays. 
Gotta love Zidane Ochara. Uh, other guys in the same realm, uh, James Harrison, Clay Matthews, James Laurinaitis played for Ohio State, and many people remember his dad was one of the uh, Animal Brothers the uh, of the WWE, the tag team. Yeah, animal of the Road Warriors, yeah. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> I had it uh, backwards. But, yeah, James Laurinaitis' his dad uh, made him even that much scarier as a middle linebacker, and – playing against him in Ohio state during the uh, one of the Jim Trestle era of when they were really good. Um, remember him very clearly. Uh, and then I had uh, regular guys on there that you might think of Shaq, Kobe, MJ, LeBron, uh, B- big poppy, David Ortiz, Troy Palomalu. Um, and, and I even went uh, kind of gotten the Halloween theme with the undertaker and Kane from, from WWE. I thought those, if I had to go to the WWE, I thought those two stuck out in my mind. So, um, but uh, did you have any alternates as well? I did. You covered a lot of them. I also had the undertaker and Kane. I was like, you never know if I'm, if I'm having to pull strings, I'm going undertaker or Kane. Um, I had Brock Lesnar for both WWE and UFC, terrifying human being uh, and college wrestling. He was a monster at Minnesota. I had Lawrence Taylor. You know, he was really good. And he broke a dude's leg. He broke Heisman's leg. That's terrifying. Um, I had Shaq. I had NJ. I had Kobe. I had LeBron. I had John Morant. And I put specifically to the OVC. Just had to have nightmares about John Morant, I assume. Um, and then I had literally any MMA fighter ever. Because they're crazy. And they, they scare me. I'll be honest. They're, they're really scary. So, yeah, MMA fighters. Uh, most of them, they're, they're pretty scary. Yeah, uh, yeah, I reckon that's it. But I, I'm glad you had The Undertaker because I think that's a very good alternate. Probably should have been on one of our lists, but hey, is what it is. Yeah, I had uh, I had Prime uh, Conor McGregor written down as well as my 1A in case Mike Tyson went. And then Kimbo Slice popped into my head, and I was like, I don't even need that. I, Kimbo Slice or Mike Tyson, I'll get one or the other, and I'll be fine with it. So uh, fine with that. But I still think if you were slated against prime Conor McGregor, I feel like that was probably the worst few months of your life preparing for that. Cause you know, all of that preparation could go down in like eight seconds and you'd just be, you just feel, feel pretty bad about yourself. Uh, but- Ronda Rousey. I didn't even think about her when she was in her prime. Ooh, wee. Terrifying so, woman. That is a good point as well. Uh, be sure to be checking out on social media uh, for that poll once we get it up so you can tell us who drafted the better squad and you can let us know if we left anyone off our list. I'm sure we did, uh, but uh, if you want to let us know, make sure you do on social media. All right, we will move on to the questions and answers segment of the show. Uh, I feel like longtime listeners may be wondering where the baseball talk went as we kind of abruptly stopped bringing it up as the postseason started. Uh, we had admittedly have been a bit distracted with football and basketball getting underway, but uh, we are back. I'm going to bring us back to baseball with my question this week. Uh, As the world series has already gotten underway, we are tied one-to-one in the series. Uh, The Braves took game one while the Astros took game two. Uh, Dylan, my question, I have three questions, basically. What have your thoughts been on the postseason? What are your thoughts on the first two games of the world series? And how do you think the series is going to play out in the end? So, starting with the general postseason, has been a blast. I've had so much fun watching baseball. And it, after the NL wild card game, I took about a week off from baseball. I didn't have to cover any games. That that hurt. That Chris Taylor walk-off home run in L.A. at Dodger Stadium to send the Cardinals on that hurt. Really, really hurt. Hurt my feelings. But uh, but got over it because I was like, it's postseason baseball. You can't beat it. Um, watched a lot of Astros Red Sox. 
watched a lot of Braves Dodgers. Um, I've, it's weird because I, I like this Braves team. Now, they, I've mentioned it a couple of times, but they're, they're a fun team. And they, they don't have Ronald Acuna. They should not be this good. They, they shouldn't be doing the things they do, but they just keep doing really, really cool things. Um, and I, I really enjoyed watching them beat the uh, Dodgers. That, that felt good as the Dodgers knocked out the Cardinals. So the Astros, like, no one really wants to admit, like, they're rooting for them because it's the Astros. They got that history. They kind of got the stank on them that you, you don't want to have associated with you. But they've been fun to watch, and they're, they're kind of easy to like some of the personalities on the team. Like, I like Alex Bregman. He's easy to root for. You want to see him do good. And then I – last Friday watching um, – I watched the clinching game against the Red Sox with a lot of guys that necessarily aren't baseball fans. And watching what Luis Garcia did on the mound as a young guy, I mean, he's a rookie, and just tore it up for five innings for the Astros. It was really, really impressive. And I, I just remember, like, uh, like elbowing guys and be like, dog, did you see that? Like, this kid's, like, young. Like, he might be younger than you. And he's just throwing nasty filth in the ALCS against the Red Sox. The Red Sox are, like, a good offensive team. This is sick. Watch this. Uh, that was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, the first two games of the World Series uh, – Paid a lot more attention to game one than game two. Game two last night I had to cover a basketball game. Game one uh, I covered, which was really, really cool, getting to write about game one of the World Series. Um, was super impressed by the Braves in game one because Charlie Morton was really sharp on the mound. Get to what happened in just a second. And the offense was also sharp. Jorge Soler hit a leadoff home run. First, I mean, that's the first time that's happened by the first uh, at-bat in the World Series ever. 117 World Series, first time it's happened. That's crazy. They poured on offense uh, in the early parts of the game. Charlie Morton, like I said, looked really strong. T- comes to find out uh, he got hit in the leg by a line drive in the second inning. I believe it was by Jordan Alvarez, uh, I think. It was, it was one of the Astros that hit him with the line drive, uh, right leg. Uh, you could tell it shook him up, but he was like, hey, I'm Charlie Morton. I, I, I'm that guy. And uh, came back out for the third inning, struck out two guys, got a pop out. And then they're like, okay, Charlie's hurt. We're getting him out. Turns out he had a broken leg, and he struck out two guys through a 95-mile-per-hour fastball. Absurd, absurd stuff. Um, and the the Braves kind of just – they coasted from there. They were – I feel like they had so much adrenaline going before that game. Jock Peterson put out that Player Tribune article where he's like, hey, we might just be those guys. He used terms a lot, uh, a lot more flavorful than that. But, uh, but Jock, uh, Jock's been one of those guys where it's like it's hard. Hard to root against Jock in the Braves because it's been Jocktober. And Jocktober's got a few more days. And uh, I, I kind of want, don't want Jocktober to end because it's been so much fun. Um, but, yeah, game one, a lot of fun. Braves kind of coasted and got a, kind of an easy victory. The Astros went, got a few hits here and there, but it, it was mostly all Braves. And it was early, just an early flooded offense. And then last night – like I said, I was covering basketball, watching watching Grizzlies, Trailblazers. Um, so I kind of just kept attention to score updates, but it was all Astros. It's kind of flip flop. Uh, the Astros just kind of did the. They were the Astros. The, the Astros we've got to know over the past half decade or whatever it's been. Um, and I think, as far as the rest of the series goes, I think it's going to be a lot of that because the Braves. It seems like all year they've been a streaky team. So if they can compile hits, like they can. Um, and put up offense, then they could, they very well could win quite a few more games in the series. And the Astros are the Astros. They're they're gonna they're gonna win more than one game in the World Series. I have no doubt in that. I hope we get seven games. Like any series we've mentioned on this show, I hope we get seven games. We talked about the NBA Finals. 
I wanted it to go seven games. I want this to go seven games. I, I want more baseball. Um, and I, I wanted to, I just, seven games, give me a walk-off home run and I'll be happy. That, that's where I'm sitting at. Because I, 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 I really don't care who wins. It'd be cool if Atlanta won. Because uh, that, just bring a championship back to Atlanta. After all, that that city deserves it. They they go through some stuff. They they get just right there and then it falls to their hands. Uh, so that would be cool. But I don't know. I If I was an Atlanta fan, I'd feel real nervous because they're right there and it, those poor, poor people. And they got it rough. The, the 28 to 3 in the Super Bowl a couple years ago. And then, I mean, I feel like anytime Georgia, either the University of Georgia or a team in Atlanta is like doing good, they're just on edge waiting for it to go downhill, which just has to suck. And I, I hate that for them. So hopefully something can go good for them. But they they got to be on edge because you know the Astros aren't going to take a day off. They're going to be gunning to win another World Series, especially because the Astros have the it's everyone against us mentality. And that is the most dangerous mentality to have all in sports because you feel like you got nothing to lose, which is admirable of the Astros. Um, I'm looking forward to watching Jack Peterson play baseball. I'm looking forward to watching Luis Garcia pitch because I have become a fan of Luis Garcia. He's sick. But yeah, just excited for more baseball. Excited for hopefully, hopefully Georgia fans don't have to suffer. I, I mean, I, I don't really love the Georgia teams, but I don't want any fan base to suffer. That's never fun, and I know that. I like Tennessee teams. They never do anything. They just lose. So I, I get it. Um, but yeah, just excited for a lot of baseball. It's the best. Uh, what are your thoughts? The same three questions. Right back to you. Yeah, uh, I think I, I'm gonna try to. Uh express a lot of the same feelings without touching on a lot of the same things. If I can, uh, for me, it's, it's been a really fun postseason. I thought on the AL side, this, the storyline for most of it was the Red Sox were on one of those runs of destiny that the Red Sox seemed to always be on. Uh, no one really gave them the chance at the beginning of the year. And then all of a sudden they were just hitting the hell out of the ball all postseason. And they seemed like the team. And then the, the Astros started to be the Astros and ended up uh, getting past them in the ALCS, which makes sense. I think the Astros are a very good team and we'll get to them in a second. Uh, how about these Braves? Uh, I mean, when Ronald Acuna and Marcel Ozuna both went out, I did not think there was much of a chance for them to even make the postseason, uh, much less run through a, a very, very impressive Dodgers team and make it to uh, the World Series. So um, they could just continue to hit the hell out of the ball. I mean, Freddie Freeman is a legit superstar in this league. Uh, and if you think about it, if they had Ozuna and Acuna on this team right now, how scary good that offense would be right now. Uh, because Albies is playing up to his potential. Jack Peterson, as you said, is just on fire. Uh, even uh, Rosario, when Soler went out, Rosario was playing unbelievable in that CS Um it's one of those the Braves feel like they're on one of those destiny runs where they're getting everything from everyone they need to um and then it changed when Morton went down in that first game because now uh one of their biggest advantages was their pitching staff coming into the series especially with Lance McCullers not being available for the World Series uh now there's a real lacking because Morton uh, I like Max Fried and I like uh Ian Anderson as well but Morton is their guy and Morton was going to get you through at least another game. And in a game seven scenario, you're probably throwing Morton out there too, as well. And, you know, he honestly was your guy, like your Madison Bumgarner. If you needed him to come back out and save a game at some point, you were probably going to turn to Charlie Morton. So you take a guy out like that completely out of their rotation. Now they're going to piece things together. I think, uh, 
in the end, I think this Astros team is better in terms of the lineup right now, just because, you know, they've got so many guys. I mean, they've got Carlos Correa hitting sixth. I mean, that's, uh, that's bonkers. Carlos Correa is going to be a three hitter for some team, maybe the Detroit Tigers next year. But um, I, I think the Astros are the better team right now. And a one-to-one tie, I think, Right now, I'm leaning towards the Astros, especially with like what you said. Atlanta got to the point where they, it really felt after that game one that nothing was going to get in their way to win a World Series. And I think that might be the worst feeling for Atlanta fans because as soon as you have that feeling, you should, it should immediately sink because the next thing that's coming is something bad for Atlanta. It seems to always be the case from 28 to three to all of the problems with the Falcons and the Braves to here right now. Uh, I'm pulling for the I'm pulling for the Braves. I think everyone, uh, you know, even though the Astros, there's very little Astros left from that 2019 scandal season. Uh, there's still just bad blood from most baseball fans. So I think a lot of people are pulling for the Braves. But um, I think if I had to pick a team right now, I think I'd pick the Astros. But uh, I'm like I'm like you said, I'm rooting for seven. I think it's going to be a great series, and uh, that Charlie Morton injury just adds to the drama of it. I think um, you know. It's going to come down to which lineup can really take advantage of those bullpen days uh, the best because uh, there's going to be a couple more bullpen days in the midst. And who really hits on those days when their bullpens are going against each other, I think it's going to be uh, the difference. Um, Yeah, so that's going to do it for the World Series stuff. I'll throw it to you for your question. So I'm going to take that baseball talk that you guys have been longing for. I'm throwing it away. I'm going right back to football. And I'm going specifically to the NFL. Because I have two questions. I guess it's three technically, but they all kind of they go together. They're a big, a big pot look of question. Um, one, the Titans killed the Chiefs on Sunday. Like I said, are the Chiefs bad? Part B, the Bengals killed the Ravens. Are the Bengals good? Like actually good? And C, is this all just crazy? Because I feel like it is. Are 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 the Chiefs bad? Bengals good? What's going on? I don't know. I feel like I'm going crazy with some Twilight Zone thing. I want to hear what you got to say. Uh, so I'll start with the Bengals uh, because I've seen the Bengals play a little bit more than the Chiefs this year. I've, I've tuned into the Chiefs a few times. I have a good idea of what's going on with Kansas City, uh, but I got to saw Joe Burrow and the Chiefs or, and the Bengals for a full game against the Lions. I got to cover that game um, and that team's good. Uh, and I don't think it's a coincidence right now that the Bengals are really the only team that blew out the Lions at this point. Now, the Lions are a tough team to use as a judgment against other teams. They're 0-7 at this point. But, I mean, we've com- the Lions have competed with basically everyone. Even the Rams now at this point we've competed with, been in a game with, except for the Bengals. And there's a re- the reason is Jamar Chase – is really opening up the ceiling for what the Bengals can really be. I mean, he's breaking records, breaking rookie records as a wide receiver. Uh, and I think we're all really starting to understand why they maybe passed on Sewell to get Jamar Chase, because it's really obvious that this connection that he has with Joe Burrow is next level, something that not many quarterbacks and wide receivers have. So uh, I think that's only opened up what the Bengals can do right now. I think you're seeing, 
guys like Joe Mixon and, and even Chris Evans, a former Michigan running back, take advantage uh, of the fact that, you know, that passing game is just wide open now. Uh, and that just does so much for your offense. Uh, I think that offense just does so much for their defense and it's just a, a roundabout way. And it, it all starts with taking Joe Burrow and then taking Jamar Chase right after that. So I think the Bengals are real. If people are overlooking them at this point, I think you're going to be sorely um sorely mistaken at the end of the year I think they're going to be competing for a playoff spot this year and in years to come um on the flip side I do think the Chiefs being bad is a little bit overreaction I still think you know they've got they've got Tyreek Hill they've got uh Patrick Mahomes at quarterback even with the you know maybe injury that he took at the end of the game last last week um there's been some struggles and I think the meme of this NFL season has just become is what's happened to Mahomes. Mahomes just isn't really playing like Mahomes this year. And I think, uh, you know, there's a, you know, there's, there's something to that. I think there's a little bit of something there, obviously, but uh, I think there's just, you know, it comes with time. I think, uh, you know, teams have, figured them out a little bit they know a little bit what more to do on tape they're taking advantage of maybe a weaker offensive line um this season uh and just doing things right that maybe that they couldn't do against the Chiefs in 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 previous seasons and I think all it's going to take is for Andy Reid to to identify what's going on on those tapes and make those adjustments because I think Andy Reid is one of the best coaches in that way where things aren't going right. All right, let's change it. Let's not stick with something that's not working. We're going to change it and we're going to figure out how we're going to make this work because there's a lot of ways to make Patrick Mahomes work. It's not just a one size fits all type thing. Patrick Mahomes can work in a whole different types of systems. uh, And that's what makes him so he's so versatile. He's so dynamic. He's like a Swiss army knife at quarterback. So you could, you could see them start running read options more often. and, And I wouldn't be surprised at it. I would, it, it, they could turn into a power running team and use Clyde Edwards Eglair in that way. Once he comes back from injury, um, they could use Tyree kill and a lot of jet sweeps in different ways. I, there's so many things that I think the chiefs can do that mean that that gives them the potential to get back to where they, they need to be. So I don't think Kansas city fans should be panicking maybe as much, uh, but I think Bengals fans should be very, very happy uh, with the direction that they're going. Um what about you? What do you think about these two teams uh, to this point in the season? Ditto. I um, I got to see the Bengals week one against the Vikings. And honestly, I, I was impressed by them. I was like, hey, they, they played really well. Jamar Chase, breaking news, he knows how to catch up football. Going into that game, people thought maybe he didn't. He maybe had forgot, which was maybe the craziest thing that has ever happened that will completely be forgotten. But going into that first game, like, Jamar Chase doesn't know how to catch a football. He completely forgot which I hope was Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow just being like, watch this. We're going to fool everybody. And if they did, that's awesome. Because everyone thought Jamar Chase was bad. And he's just really good. Like in that first game, he caught a 70-yard touchdown or whatever. I was like, oh, okay. There's Jamar Cat. He, he's all right. Um, but in that game, I was honestly like more impressed with the Vikings. I was like, I, this Vikings team, they're kind of cooking. They're good. But I was like, oh, the Bengals, it's game one. They're at home. It was a really good crowd. I was like, they're just co- they're cooking. It's Joe Burrow's back. I was like, they're just all amped up. It's the Bengals. It's the Bengals. No way they're actually good. Uh, turns out they are. And I was like, okay, fair enough. Uh, Joe Burrow's sick. And they've got so many weapons. And I, after the draft, we said that. We're like, this Bengals team, they've got a, a – sub- sus- uh, I don't even know the word. Just a lot of work. Weapons. They've got a ton of them. There's so many guys everywhere that can just play football. Um, and it's 
surprisingly enough, having a lot of really good players makes you good. Who would have ever thought? It's it's working out for Cincinnati. Uh, Kansas City, I think their biggest concern should be that their defense isn't very good. And I think it got shown against Buffalo, who has a good offense, and Tennessee. When Tennessee's healthy, Tennessee has a good offense. And, I mean, if, if they got Derrick Henry, they could be cooking against anybody. But um, they had Julio and A.J. healthy. And Tennessee's got all those guys. I, I think they can beat – unless Kansas City makes some changes, they're going to they're gonna have a hard time keeping up with Tennessee or Buffalo because both those offenses when healthy are crazy. Um, but, yeah, that defense just, I don't know, was not impressed at all. I, there were some things they did on offense. Like they're playing sloppy, but they cleaned that up. It's, it's the Chiefs. Um, so I, I think the offense nowhere is about the defense. I don't know that defense was not good, they, but it's, they're, they're thinking Super Bowl. So they're in a couple weeks, they're going to go make a trade. They'll get somebody crazy. And we'll be like, okay, the chiefs are fine. They'll, they'll rattle off a bunch of wins against, cause they'll have a stretch. They probably have a stretch where they're, they're playing teams that are either injured or something and they'll rattle off some wins and they'll catch fire. And it'll be the chiefs or they won't. And they won't make the playoffs. And that'll be absolutely absurd because they were in the super, two straight Super Bowl. So I don't know. Um, the Chiefs are really puzzling. And I, I just – I don't think they're bad. But I, I'm not sure that they're good right now. They're not good right now. I know that. I, I don't know. I'm not ready to call them bad. But the Bengals, yes, I am ready to call them good. And I think they might win the AFC North, and I really hope they do. But, yeah, I don't know. I just think that's bizarre, both those teams. Yeah, I think, you know, the Chiefs – uh, even with their flaws on defense, I think they've been flawed on defense for a while. It just depends, you know, what is, you know, is that offense clicking in all cylinders? When you, when I look back on that Chiefs team and that, I think of that Chiefs versus Rams game, I think it was a Monday night game where it was like 59 to 52 at the end. And it's like, uh, that's the offense I remember from the Chiefs. The fact that they were down like 27 to nothing against the Titans on Sunday. Uh, I was like, all right, there's something wrong here. I, it doesn't matter how bad their defense is. They shouldn't be getting blanked at any point uh, in, in a football game with how many weapons that team has. Uh, so it was, they ran a wild stat. It was like the first time the Chiefs were held without a touchdown since like 2011. It was 2011 or 2012 against the Broncos, which, fair enough, the Broncos have been playing great defense since, like, John Elway was the quarterback. The Titans have a bad defense, like, breaking news to no one. The Titans' defense is not good. That's why it's, like, they, like, set off the alarms. It's like, whoa, those guys look good against Kansas City and not the New York Jets. That's where it's like, what's going on here? I don't know. Very, very puzzling. Very, very excited to watch how the season plays out for Patty Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I think uh, most people think they're going to get it figured out, but it's just a question of when and, and how at this point now. Uh, I mean, Edwards Alaire has been down, which has hurt my fantasy team with him on the injured reserve. And now we got to see what's up with Mahomes. Uh, I, he cleared concussion protocol after the game, but we'll see. He took a that hit was a very scary hit that he took at the end of that game. So uh, hopefully he's going to be okay and we can see the Chiefs uh, pull it through uh, as the season gets forward. All right. Fun stuff as always. Always love the question and answers segment of the podcast. We will move on to this week in sports. This week, we both had something very pressing on our minds that we needed a minute or so just to get those things off of our chest. So I'm going to let Dylan go first. This is Grizzlies and specifically Ja Morant have gotten off to a hot start in the NBA. So we're going to call this the Ja rant that Dylan has prepared. I'm going to give him the floor and, and let, have, him, have him let you know about what Ja has been doing to start the year. Um, yes, I'm going to go on my jaw rant. Um, what in the world? The NBA season started and all of a sudden jaw was like, oh, I'm the best point guard alive. 
and everybody in me is like, ah, fair enough. I mean, it's number 12 in Memphis. It's him. Um, when we sat here last week, I was like, okay, John Brown opening night. He, he played pretty good, 37 points against the Cavs. And then he came back over the weekend, had uh, 27 against the Clippers. Well, I've said, I, I really like the Clippers. Good team. They tend to play good defense. Uh, came back the next night, Sunday night against the Lakers. You know, the team, both of us, we were like, oh, yeah, they'll be in the championship, you know, the best in the league. And John was like, oh, I'm just going to score 40 points. Uh, and he was on the line to make potentially game-time free throw. He's probably a little tired, didn't make the free throw. That's okay. After that game, that's three games in, he was averaging 35 points per game and eight assists. Absurd stuff. Led the league in scoring um, with 35 points per game. I There was an absurd stat. He was averaging, it was I want to say it was 20-something points per game in the paint. I tweeted it yesterday, and I said, this is a silly goose stat. It was him, Giannis, and Shaq were the only ones to do it in the last, like, 25 years. If you're ever in a conversation with Giannis and Shaq, close the door, you're a solidified superstar. And I, I'm putting that there right there. I don't care what happened last night. Because even last night, he had a bad game against Portland. He had 17-9-10. and 10. That's a, almost a triple-double. That's stupid stuff. If that's his bad games now, whoo-wee. It's going to be a really, really fun season in Memphis and a lot of fun times coming ahead, having a great time watching Memphis basketball and specifically Ja Morant basketball. But that is my Ja rant. I'm going to throw it to you because you've got a little more time-specific pressing issues. We'll be able to talk about Ja for a while. you got something for this weekend. I'll give it the floor to you. Yeah, uh, very quickly, it just I'm, I've been loving what Jazz's been doing. Uh, he's really putting that conversation between him and Zion, making it a conversation. And if you have told anyone uh, after Zion got drafted that someone would be in that conversation, even if it was Ja, because he was the second pick, it was it would have been like you're ridiculous, you're a crazy person. But uh, I mean, Zion's been hurt a bunch, uh, and once we get them back on the floor, healthy at the same time, I'm gonna be. Uh, you know I'm going to be turning into the first time the Memphis, Memphis and uh, New Orleans end up playing each other because that is going to be a lot of fun to watch. For All right, for me, uh, obviously Michigan-Michigan State is clearly on my mind and I have to get off my chest. Uh, very important game in the state for years and years and years. has been very important, and it's only more important this year as they're matching up as undefeated top 10 teams. Uh, I don't know if both of those things have ever happened, uh, like both – been both undefeated and top 10 teams but I know the last time we were top 10 teams was when we matched up in 1964 uh so there's a lot of real emotion uh involved in this game from both sides and both fan bases uh we've seen it brewing all throughout the year as we've we've gotten off to this hot start uh and as we've kind of slowly approached this weekend we've kind of we've seen that you know we're probably going to be undefeated we're probably going to both be top 10 teams um and it's it's only gotten me. Uh, I'm nervous. Uh, I think uh, it might be a bad sign that a lot of Michigan fans are very nervous, and a lot of Michigan State fans are very excited because it's uh, a very big day in East Lansing coming up. And I'm uh, I'm just a bundle of nerves. I have no idea which way this game could go. Um, but I'm gonna put those <laughs> the emotions of it behind me and look at it from a um, logistical and realistic point of view. Uh, and I think this game comes down to two things for me. Uh, first off, can Michigan State's receivers effectively take advantage of the mismatches they have on Michigan's corners? For almost every matchup in this game, the biggest athlete mismatch would have been Michigan on Michigan State in some regard. Doesn't really, it, it, One of those places would have been the athletic mismatch. This year, 
Michigan State's corners are more athletic than Michigan's corners. And that's the biggest mismatch on the field this year. So I, and I don't even think it's close. So I think really that it's going to come down to whether or not Michigan State can take advantage of that mismatch like they did last year, or if defensive coordinator Mike McDonald in his first year is going to be able to do the thing schematically to take away that mismatch. I think he's done a really good job of that this year. Um, but it's going to, this is going to be the first real test against two really good wide receivers in Reed and Naylor. Um, and then the other question is uh, whether Cade McNamara is going to be forced into a situation where he's going to have to win the game. Uh, I've, I've been going back and forth on Cade uh, for the past few weeks. Uh, I, I think it's clear to mostly everyone right now that JJ McCarthy is the more talented player, but I've come around to coach Harbaugh's philosophy on it and I do think I see uh, what a lot of people don't see in Cade is you know he's just a reliable dude he just gets things done at quarterback he's only thrown one interception in his career we don't take a lot of sacks a lot of that's on Cade uh, putting the right protections in place he a lot of, and what a lot of people don't realize is Michigan's still running that RPO Josh Gaddis offense it's so seamless because Cade makes all the right decisions. He's very rarely putting, making a bad decision all in those RPOs where we're making a bad run or we're even throwing the ball in a situation where we shouldn't. He does a lot of things right. I think where he just lacks is just talent. He doesn't have the arm strength or the arm accuracy that McCarthy does. He's not as fast or as a good of an athlete as McCarthy is. But uh, I'm on Cade's side now. I think he has... Uh, the ability to get things done. It's just going to come down to these elite teams. The the three teams that we had circled, Michigan State, Penn State, and Ohio State. Can you, if you're forced to make the throws to win a game, can you do it? Uh, and I think we might we might see it this weekend. I don't know for sure if we'll see it, but I if we have to, I think that's what a lot of people are going to be looking at. Can Cade McNamara really lead Michigan? If if we if he can, then I think we a lot of people look at us differently after this weekend. If, if not, uh, I think he just confirms a lot of what, what a lot of people have been saying. They're pretty good. They are, they're a quarterback away from, from being truly elite. And that's, that's what we've been under Jim Harbaugh for, for a long time now. So um, it would, it would really hurt to lose this game, but I'm, I'm nervous. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm nervous for this game. It's, it's a really important game. Uh, in terms of Michigan fans uh, psyche, especially because, and I'm not going to rip on Michigan state fans, but it's important uh, because if we win this game, it it really doesn't become important to the national media. Everyone will say, well, Michigan state wasn't tested. Uh, They, they probably are who we thought they were. They weren't as good as everyone thought they were. But if Michigan state wins this game, it's all Michigan really, really blew their chance to be competitive this year. Michigan state's, so much better than them in two years in with Mel Tucker. But, and that's, it's a really frustrating situation to be in as a Michigan fan, but it's true. I mean, if we're Owen two against Mel Tucker after this weekend, uh, it's going to be really hard as a Michigan fan to stomach that. So uh, I'm nervous. I'm excited. It, it's a fun weekend uh, to be in, in the state of Michigan. Uh, I'm hoping to feel good, uh, after the game is over, but we will see. Uh, I think that leads us perfectly in to our college football pick for this weekend. Big games coming up this weekend. It was a, a kind of a lackluster schedule last week. Big games this week. Of course, I had Michigan, Michigan State as our, on our docket. Dylan has Ole Miss versus Auburn, a very consequential game in the SEC West. 
And our fans have selected the Ohio State versus Penn State game uh, in the Big Ten East as well. So two Big Ten East matchups as well as an SEC matchup uh, for us to pick from. We will start with the fans pick Ohio State versus Penn State. Dylan, who do you have uh, in that game? O-H-I-O. I'm going with the Buckeyes. After your long spiel about Michigan State, Michigan, got to get the Bucks, Buckeyes some hype. Uh, I think Ohio State's good. We, we talked about when they kind of – it seemed like everything was coming off the tracks um, that maybe Ohio State wasn't as good as we maybe thought they were. I think Ohio State's still pretty good. And um, there's going to be a real big matchup in a couple weeks involving Michigan uh, – involving Ohio State, excuse me. Um, We'll talk about Michigan State in a little bit, but there's a big matchup coming up for Ohio State in a couple of weeks. Uh, I don't think this is it. I think they're I think they're pretty handily better than Penn State, and then being in Columbus, I think Ohio State wins this game. Uh, who do you have in this one? Yeah, I, and I was rooting for Illinois in that game last week against Penn State, especially with that large overtime game. Uh, uh, but uh, it does make this a little bit. It would have been really cool to have Ohio State and Penn State playing with really big meaning to it, while Michigan and Michigan State were also playing with really big meaning to it. Uh, it sucks that Penn State already has two losses at this point, and I'm in total agreement. Ohio State's found its rhythm. C.J. Stroud has found its rhythm. That defense looks a lot stronger than it did against uh, Oregon. Uh, there's still some flaws to that defense. I still think they're beatable. But, uh, I mean, Penn State's on the decline. Ohio State's on the uprise. It's a bad time to be facing Ohio State uh, on the road this week. So, uh, I'm, I like Ohio State against Penn State, as much as it pains me to say that. I have to give a shout-out to the Illini because I sat at, at a tailgate last week, and we, we got a phone call because two of my best friends, Illinois fan, we get a phone call, Illinois-Penn State in overtime. I'm like, okay, we'll turn it on. Watch it on a phone. It'll, it'll take 10 minutes. We sat there for like an hour watching seven overtimes, whatever it was, nine overtimes, whatever it ended up being, but much worth it. Got, got to see a big Illini win, which was awesome to see with the Tent City greatest tailgate in the world going on in the background. But yeah, I had to give a shout out to the Illini. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I I was leaving the Michigan Northwestern game uh, and I saw that it was in overtime and I pulled it up on my phone and I was showing my dad uh, and it takes about 45 minutes to get from Ann Arbor to my house and maybe an hour on a good on a on a game day when there's a little bit of traffic around Ann Arbor. I had that stream up for the entire drive from Ann Arbor to my house and it was still on. I got I got to turn it on the TV by the time I got home. I mean, it was it was ridiculous how long that overtime went. And I tweeted it out. Uh, how about the NCAA changing those overtime rules for the specific purpose of limiting the amount or the length of overtimes and to limit injuries? And we had the longest college football game of all time in Penn State and Illinois because of those overtimes. And Illinois starting quarterback got hurt. So it didn't do anything that it was supposed to do. Uh, I th- and I'm going to be really mad if Michigan ever loses a game in that fashion. I think we uh, everyone saw how f- frustrating that could be. I feel really bad for Penn State fans in that situation because if Michigan ever loses a game like that, I'm going to be very, 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 very mad. I would be so pissed off if I was a Nittany Lion. I would be furious. Oh, I, yeah, that's a conversation for maybe next week about those <laughs> college football rules. We might have to. We might have to put that on the docket right now for next week. But we're going to move on to the SEC West matchup this week between Auburn and Ole Miss. Dylan, who do you like uh, in that game? I'm feeling some Bo Nix magic coming out this weekend. I I have not been a Bo Nix guy since he got there three years ago, or wherever it's been now. It seems like he's been at Auburn his entire life. 
but I watched him against Arkansas. I got to cover the game. And I was like, this Bo Nix guy, he ain't too bad. He, like, first 11 throws of the game, all completions, had, like, the first drive, he was, like, 6 of 6, 70 yards. I was like, oh, my God, Bo Nix, is, is he the next NFL great quarterback? And then he did some Bo Nix stuff, which is awesome. And I was like, Bo Nix is just Ryan Fitzpatrick at Auburn. And I was like, I love this guy. And now I'm just, like, tuning into every Auburn game I can. And – I'm saying all that because I have to hype Auburn up in my head more and more and more because I really want them to beat Ole Miss. Uh, so I'm going with Auburn. Uh, I'm going to – just some Bo Nix magic in Auburn, Alabama. It's it's Bo Nix magic picks with – are paired with Auburn magic on the Saturday before Halloween. I don't see how Auburn loses. I, it's just a whole lot, a whole lot of magic on spooky season weekend. I've got to go with the Tigers. Uh but best of luck to Ole Miss, I guess. It'd be a real shame if Ole Miss lost. A heartbreaker in my book. But, yeah, going with the Tigers. Who you got? Uh, I wanted to go with the upset in this one, too, but I'm going to go with Ole Miss in this one. I, I, I think, basically, Matt Corral is the best quarterback in that conference, and that might be a shot at Bryce Young because I think Matt Corral has just outplayed him at this point. I, I think Ole Miss has the best offense in terms of teams that are on the brink of competitiveness. They're not – uh, you know, obviously out of the college football playoff basically at this point, but I, I like the direction that Lane Kiffin has them going. I think they have a bright future ahead of them as long as he stays uh, there at Ole Miss. Uh, that is yet to be seen, but uh, I like them in this game uh, and I like them for the future as well. I think Ole Miss uh, is on the right path uh, for their program. Uh, they're, the, Lane Kiffin's perfect for an Ole Miss type program. You, you kind of got you got to toe a very thin line of where guys you can recruit and how, uh, how good you can really be. Uh, Lane Kiffin's perfect for that. I think he does that perfectly. He's the most Ole Miss person ever. If Ole Miss was a person, it would be Lane Kiffin. <laughs> Absolutely. Not much more you need to say about that. All right. Finally, we got the big battle uh, in East Lansing this weekend, the battle for the Paul Bunyan trophy this week. Uh, Dylan, who do you like Michigan versus Michigan state? So I know who I like, but I don't want to jinx it. That's the thing, because I like the Wolverines a lot more than I like Michigan State, but I don't want to jinx you guys. But I also, I went 3-0 last week, so I don't want to jinx you on the other end either. So I'm very conflicted. I'm going to hope I stay hot, and I'm going to go with Michigan, because I really do think Michigan's better than Michigan State. Um, I know it's going to be tough going on the road, such a big matchup. I'm sure it's going to be hostile as ever. Uh, maybe the most hostile crowd ever in this series because it's such a big game. Um, but I just think Michigan's better. I really do. I think I think Michigan State's ahead of schedule, which is okay. It's always going to be ahead of schedule. Like Tennessee's in the same boat, but Michigan State is much more ahead of schedule than Tennessee is. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think Michigan's going to go get a big win, and then they're going to be in the same boat as Ohio State. Got a real big matchup coming up in a few weeks. But yeah, go with the Wolverines. I think I know who you're going to pick, but. Who you, who you got? Yeah, I, I gotta go with I gotta go with my Wolverines in this one. It's a, I, I th- an emotional pick for sure, but uh, I think an objective one as well. Uh, I do think Michigan's the better team as well. Uh, as nervous as I am for this game, and I and I that's full saying I could see it going anyway. I could see a blowout from us. I could see them blowing us out. I could see them winning a close game. I could see us winning a close game. I could really see any scenario playing out and I think that's what makes me the most nervous I think just from an objective standpoint we are the better team in terms of you know our offensive line is much better than their defensive line their 
our defensive line is much better than their offensive line. Uh, those are really big mismatches that we have there. They have the biggest mismatches at wide receiver uh, against our corners. Uh, I do think we'll be able to limit that, though. I think Mike McDonald's shown a really good job of being able to mix that zone, uh, that zone to man off uh, defensive philosophy uh, and been able to uh, kind of cover up those problems that we have on the outside when we're, when we're defending the pass. But, um, you know, I think, yeah, I've been very impressed with Michigan state. Obviously Kenneth Walker is a, is legit Jalen, uh, Jalen Naylor and Reed. Those guys are legit. Uh, I'm, I'm, those are the guys that are making me nervous and it's no disrespect to them. And I'm picking Michigan. It's just, I think all around, I think Michigan's the, the better team. I think we'll be able to get it done on the road. Uh, and no couch is being burned in East Lansing this weekend. I, I, I'm sticking to that. I'm hoping uh, it's a fun Saturday for me uh, and Michigan fans on Saturday and not a good one in East Lansing, but uh, all right, that will do it for us uh, for the Dylan and Dylan show this week. Dylan, do you have any final thoughts before we uh, get going? Um, I, I don't have a Tennessee volunteer football game to watch this weekend, which is kind of a blessing in disguise. I, I don't have to worry about whatever BS Tennessee is going to get into, but the Titans will probably pull some BS out because that's what they like to do when Tennessee doesn't get to play because the Titans are going to Indianapolis to play the Colts in a massive game. If the Titans can get that win, they might be coasting to an AFC South championship, which would be cool, but it's the Titans and it's one of my teams. So there probably is going to be some BS. And if we were picking that game, I'd probably pick the Colts because it's the Titans. They beat the Bills and Chiefs. They'll go lay an egg against the Colts. I, I, I cannot wait. That's going to be incredible. Uh, but yeah, very excited just for a weekend of sports. The college football slate's a thousand percent better this weekend. A thousand percent. It wasn't that good last weekend. Uh, NFL, obviously, baseball, all the NBA. NBA's like in swing now. We we've just got basketball every night. College basketball's coming back real soon, like we talked with uh, Chico about. Uh, really, really exciting stuff. Uh, yeah, just in a giddy mood about sports. It, it feels good. Uh, you have any last words as we're saying yeah. kumbaya and happy Halloween. Yeah, uh, everyone stay safe out there for Halloween weekend. Uh, I'm hoping my nerves will turn to excitement by around 4 o'clock on Saturday. Um, Like you said, I'm excited for uh, all the sports going on. I was at Michigan Madness last week. I got to saw the Michigan basketball team. We're really excited about them. I'm excited about all of college basketball coming up. I'm excited. That is on my docket for what what I'm going to be watching here pretty quickly. Uh, And I'm I'm excited for – nervously excited for what this weekend holds for me. I'm, I'm hoping it's going to be good, but um, we will see. Uh, all right, everyone, you can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at Dylan Dylan show. You can find tunnel vision sports on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at underscore TV sports on Facebook and LinkedIn at tunnel vision sports and on the web at TV Thank you so much for listening. Everyone stay safe out there and we will meet you back here next week. We will see you later.